This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. In this episode, I'm talking with Alan Hill. He's a photographer from Colorado. The reason I invited him on the show is because he is always happy. And maybe not always, but boy, does he bring it to everybody around him and everyone he encounters. So enjoy the conversation with Alan. Hi, Alan, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Jane. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I know. I'm so glad we're getting this chance to talk. And, uh, you know... I always like to start out with where did we come from? How did we get here? And you were another one of the people that I followed on the Oasis, the Entheos Oasis. And what I what struck me every time that I saw you out there was how much fun you were having. I'm like, I need to know him. That's a lot of fun because you always look so happy. Is that a fairly true statement? Yeah. Yeah. For the most, (laughs) well, for the most part it is. It, I, I figured out at a, at a much younger age that, you know, you can either be happy and in a good mood or not. And, <laughs> it's a choice, right? Yeah, and it's it's a pretty simple choice for me. So it's not hard to figure out where I'm going to land. Oh, that's awesome. And I think uh, it definitely comes through. And the other thing that really caught my attention was this photography work that you were doing with water and reflective light and coins and things like that. <laughs> lots of things. There were lots of things, props that went on there. Do you want to um, talk a little bit about that? Well, it's it, it's kind of funny. I I've been a photographer for the well all my adult life, and um, one day I I've always enjoyed it, and always it's always been a very private passion for me. But one day I really went into my studio with the intent of just wanting to have fun. Mm. And I had, I'd had an image in my mind of, of, of something that I wanted to work with from a photograph I had seen decades before. And, and so I went in to shoot with no preconceived notion about, you know, this needs to be a viable, marketable product. This, I, I just went in to have fun. Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing. And um, what came out of it was something that just set me on fire for <laughs> literally months. And what you saw in those photographs is is the, the visual representation of the fun I was having in my studio. It really did feel like, I mean, the essence of the photographs were play. I mean, I'm hoping that we'll use one of them on the show notes so people can see it. But it was absolutely the feeling of play came through them. So. That was pretty cool to see. Hey, can you tell me a little bit about this image from decades ago? I want to know about that. Because because I think, I'll give you a second to pull that, because I think that 
when things happen like that, when we see something and it sticks with us for decades, I always wonder, like, was that like a universal um, wink? Like, hey, remember this because you're going to want to do this later? Or is it that because it's there, it eventually create draws us to create something new? Because I'll tell you when you're done about an image that stuck with me that I haven't figured out why yet. Okay, so the image, tell us about that. So I'm fairly certain it was college era and it was in a magazine, um, in a trade magazine. And it was a photograph taken by a, I believe it was a Dutch photographer mm-hmm. of a, a woman standing in a, like a wash tub in a desert type countryside. It was, sh- it was a cloudy day and it was just a gorgeous setting, but she was bathing in this tub mm-hmm. and in front of her was a large glass plate that was, uh, it was translucent because of soap bubbles that mm-hmm. were on it. Oh. Well, the, the photograph was taken as she was swiping a sponge down to clean off the glass. And as you could, as she, you know, in the clean glass where she had just wiped, you could see clearly through the glass Mm -hmm. and it was just the most captivating thing Mm. I I had seen in a long time and I don't even know where that magazine is (laughs) but for whatever reason that stuck in my mind and it reignited decades later wow that's that's pretty significant so what do you think that like why do you think that was do you have any idea I'm just curious no, 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 I really don't. I, I, I think the notion of um, photographing through something, I mean, the, the image captivated me and just really fired my imagination. But how I used that was I wanted to do something similar to that, only drastically different. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely was the inspiration as to why I skipped into my <laughs> studio one day. And exploded. <laughs> so, um, why did like to tell our listeners a little bit about? Well, actually, I'll tell you this. So, the the image that stuck with me. So we, and then we'll go back. Is I don't even know. Probably like twenty years ago, I was in a tiny antique store nearby, and they had this picture on the wall, and it looked like a print. You know, like a fo- old time photograph print of what I can only describe as as a gypsy boy. Like he had a boy who had like longish hair and curly and had these like want like eyes of a wanderer, like who'd seen the world, like something really deep in them. And all I could think was that I know him. I know that person, you know, mm. like I kept going back to the store and looking at it, but I just didn't want to spend the money on it. You know, it was, it wasn't even that expensive. It was like $50, but it seemed out for some reason at that point, like outlandish to spend money on this picture. And so Finally, one day I, I was like, that's it. I just have to have it. I cannot get it out of my head. And so I went back to buy it and it was sold. And I'm like, ever since then, like if I have that feeling again at some point, I will no matter what <laughs> be <laughs> cracking open the wallet and buying it because I just feel like that was someone I know. Somehow I know. And that image yeah. has never left me yet. You know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. Yeah. So tell me now. What it is that you t- describe for the listeners, what it is that you do with light and water and photography to have so much fun. What is it? Talk, talk about that. 
Well, the um, the actual process is I set up a, a a large plate of glass. I mount it vertically in my studio. I set my camera on one side and I shoot into the glass. And on the other side of the glass, I have a backdrop set up a distance behind the glass. Mm-hmm. But what I do is... I stand on the backdrop side of the glass and I throw a cup of water at the glass. Mm-hmm. And as that water hits the glass, I have my studio light set up and I trigger my camera at various times mm-hmm. when that water is flying through the air. And so it, it just, it, absolutely set me on fire and mm-hmm. it is the most fun I've ever had in my studio and it, it it just I don't know the results to me are pretty magical because it's uh you you can stare at these images and it's a it's a thousandth of a second second mm-hmm. frozen in time universe of water and light right uh, and what's cool? What's cool about them is you you see the movement almost, even though they're not moving and they're clear, they're very clear, but you sense the motion, the energy. Do you feel that? Yeah. 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 Well, I've I've called it still water photographs of water in motion. Yeah. See. And the other thing that I um, like, you can see so many things in them, right? Like you look at it and go, "Oh, I see." A heart or a star or a shape or a something because just depending on which way you look at it there's so much to see that you would never see in reality if you're watching it right yeah and, and that's one of the fun things is when people see it when i show the images to people they they it's funny to watch because mm-hmm. they kind of you know you can tell they're thinking because something in the photograph captures them and they go well, well i see a i and and i've heard everything from i see an owl to i see a squirrel <laughs> i see a tree i see a person walking mm-hmm. it's funny to see and i i enjoy hearing that feedback and i never try to tell them what i see mm-hmm. because i'd rather hear what they see so it's, it's fun it's very interpretive so tell me like so is this one of those times where you just like go into flow when you're doing the work? I, I go into total bliss when I'm doing the work. <laughs> That's even better. I like that even better. Describe that a little bit. Like, what does that mean for you? Um, like, you know, like for, I, let me give an example. Like I, I would, whenever I ask questions that I leave it so open-ended people, I think people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, for example, um, as I'm creating this work right now, which is definitely, I'm in bliss doing it all the time. I forget that I really need to do things like, hmm, you know, take care of my house or maybe some days even like shower. So that that happens. Now we've got that out there. But it's, it's just so much fun that I don't want to stop doing it. You know what I mean? It's so much fun. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly it. <laughs> it, it, it is exactly that because I, I would go into the studio and it would not be uncommon for me to be in there for 12 to 14 hours in a given day, oh. just l- <laughs> laughing and, and playing mm-hmm. and, but being set on fire because I would, I would throw water 
And I would look at the image and I would hoot and holler and, oh, I, I got to try that again. And, <laughs> and literally it would last, well, I was I was in that mode for months. Oh, that's so amazing, though. That's so yeah. such a gift, you know? Yeah. Well, I didn't I did not want to put brakes on it. Mm hmm. I mean, I, I just kept the momentum going and the only thing I ever did was just to not stop it. And it kept growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. And <laughs> I, I don't think I, well, I could have, but I didn't want to stop it. So I didn't. So, so this is really cool now that at this point, now how long ago, was that about a year ago or two years ago that you started doing that, that body of work? <sighs> about a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Now we're were you a photographer your entire life, like professionally, or was this something you did as a hobby? A little of both. I'm, you know, I went, I went through, I went to Arizona State, mm -hmm. and I was a journalism. I was in the Walter Cron Cronkite School of Journalism, and photojournalism was my minor. Mm -hmm. um, after college, I I started working in <clears throat> in commercial studios in and around Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in my late 20s, I kind of took a little different route and, and got off into the business world and um, was off in a professional high-tech world for oh, probably about the next 20 years. Hmm. But Did you still do photography during that time? Always. Okay. Always. I, I've, I've always had a camera near me. Always, I've never, I've never really had one far away from mm -hmm. me. So you've gone through a lot of the technological changes of photography. Then you've experienced it from the days of the darkroom to like, wow, look at that water picture I just took thirty seconds ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I did start. I mean, my, my formal training was with film and in a darkroom and. And I just adore that. And I will do that again sometime, mm. too, just because it's there's magic in the darkroom. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and, uh, and I see it and feel it. And while it's completely different on a lot of levels than digital, there's something there's well, there's magic in the darkroom. And, and I'll, I'll do that again. You know, before you started this water series, were you still as involved in photography or was this like a rebirth of it for you? Um, I had gone back to and committed myself to photography about six years earlier. Okay. Um, uh, some life events happened and it was one of those, you know what, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to rescript my life. I want to start mm. over. I don't, I don't want to recast new players with the same script, I mm -hmm. want to start new. And, That's a good way I, to put it, by the way. That is a really good way to put it. I like that. And, and I did. And I've really stuck to it. And I remember saying to myself early on, it's like, you know what? I'm going to risk everything on this. Uh, I either, either I have faith and trust in this or I'll find out. <laughs> I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> and I stuck to it. And so I had been doing commercial jobs. I had some some jobs came to me that, frankly, I wasn't I wasn't qualified for. But mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they came to me and they came and I did them. I was terrified at the time, and the biggest <laughs> the biggest challenge of the whole shoots were probably not 
conveying my skepticism to the clients who were paying me very, very well for Mm -hmm. work I had never done. But boy, all these things were just clicking into place. So you so feel, I, do you feel like you committing to that and saying I'm going to recommit to photography was the thing, or do you like what do you think was the catalyst, the thing that brought those clients to you? Uh, I'm curious because I I think that that's a great thing for people who are aspiring to do that to know. Well, I I think it was probably just my commitment to myself to say you know what this is something I want to do mm-hmm. and um I, I want to. You know, this is what I want to do. I enjoy doing this. This is fun. And things started happening along those lines. So it was, yeah, I don't think I have a real good answer to that question, but there it is. I think that Paulo Coelho from from his book, The Alchemist, had the best the way that like I try like I feel like those I've seen those moments in my own life and I try to go back and go how did that happen because who doesn't want to recreate them you know who doesn't want to like make sure we have the formula to do it again but in the alchemist he says um, and I'll probably get it a little bit wrong but um, once we decide the universe conspires to make it happen and there it's much more beautiful I'm sure than that but that's just the essence of it and yeah. I think that's such a key piece to it don't you that um, we have to decide to believe in what we really want or what we're really trying to accomplish. We have to make that decision. Otherwise, like we just keep sort of like the universe keeps going, well, they don't really want it that much. I'll just keep moving along. You know, do you feel like that was part of it? Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, well, see, when, when I went into the studio to have fun and left, I, I had a real conscious decision at that point that, I had always in the back of my mind tr- always kind of had the thought of, wow, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough for this or what am I going to create that I think will be marketable? You know, will I think art director, do I think art directors will like this? Do I think this will be good stock? I was always kind of interfering with my own creativity with those types of thoughts, kind of putting out, well, wonder what someone else will think of this. So when I, I, and and that was definitely a pebble in my shoe Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. But when I went into the studio to just play and I had none of those thoughts whatsoever, that was probably the biggest sign for me that, you know what? I, all I need to do is have fun. All I need to do is not tell myself I can't do it, Mm -hmm. but just have fun doing it. Right. Not really be attached to the outcome. No. Yeah. Do you like, I feel like we should make an international declaration that everybody should have as a, as a certain truth. And that is this. I don't think anybody exists on the planet who, um, has a hundred percent confidence that they can do their, what they want to do perfectly and succeed. Like, is there anyone out? Because we all, you hear that all the time when people are like, but you know, before they really launch into doing what they love and, and having that sort of like rallying around and, and, and like the feedback that, yes, what you do is great. This thing is great. Like who really goes into those things 
thinking that to start with. Who Everybody has like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I'm not sure if people will really understand it. Who's going to want to pay for it or whatever or how will, you know, what are, and I think that that's so universal yet we always act like that's different. Like that's like nobody's like that. It was just me because I'm the same way about everything, you know. Oh, I don't know if I really write that well. Who's going to want to read it? Oh, I don't know. If, but like we should just make a universal declaration. <laughs> that's just a given that that doesn't mean anything. What do you think? Yeah. Should we like yeah. get a petition going and, and get it signed internationally around the world? Like everybody just let that thing go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we have, we have the power to put the brakes on any inspiration we ever have. <laughs> that is a very profound statement and not, and so sad, right? And, and there's, <laughs> and, and we are the only break that there is, but we, exactly. I, I, for a lot of my life didn't know it and or didn't acknowledge it but the second I did it was kind of like well hang on a second and it changes the rules completely you know I wear this ring that my mom got for me that says um believe in yourself and magic will happen it's like this sweet little you know not very expensive little ring but I wear it all the time to remind me to keep believing because I think it's so easy to not we're you know we're trained or conditioned or whatever it is to not believe in ourselves and once we do it's true the magic happens like amazing pictures with water you know and all those things <laughs> exactly so, so what are you doing um what are you doing today with your world of photography I am preparing to go to Chicago for oh. I have a I have a shoot on Thursday, and um, one of my clients sends me around to photograph. Uh, they need a photograph. They need some photographs of a star chef. And oh, so I'm, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in Chicago this week, and I will take some photographs. And then the following week, I'm going to be in Los Angeles doing the same thing. And the interesting thing is that they – could not get these two star chefs together so I could photograph them interacting on a set. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is photograph them separately. And then with the magic of digital, um, some people will composite the images so that they will look like they were standing in the same room oh, in the final product. Interesting. That takes a little forethought, right? Of how to shoot those. It, it's going to be fun because I'll mm -hmm. be directing them up. I mean, I'll have my set <clears throat> built and have everything set up and I will be directing them to say, now, you know, interact with that person that's next to you, you know, gesticulate, right. talk to them, smile right. at them. And so that's going to be fun. So you do have a little, when I looked at your um, body of work, you do have um, a lot of food. <laughs> so how did that come about? How did you get involved in photographing food and chefs? One of the one of the fun little curves in my life was that um, a number of years back, after my after my time in the high tech world, I went to culinary school. That's in a change. That's like oh, a shift. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, I might be dreaming of doing that myself. But continue. <laughs> it, it was a sharp right turn, and. Um, I, I got to a point in the, in my technology career where I, I kind of woke up and with the help of the tech bubble in 2000, mm -hmm. kind of woke up and said, you know what, I'm really not having fun doing this. 
I'm, I'm doing this only for the financial reward of it. And that's mm-hmm. it. And that turned out to be really hollow. But when the, when the industry turned it and made it a, a real bad place to be, mm-hmm. I figured out I need, I, I wanted to do something different. And, um, I decided to go to culinary school and, um, the, I, I'm, I'm stumbling because well, it I, I so really, much d- fun. it sounds so much fun. So continue. But, yeah. Well, and, and that might be the sole motivation for why I went to do it. Right. It was just fun. It wasn't a career decision. It, I mean, I didn't go to culinary school with this burning desire to become a star chef or even to do uh-huh. anything like that. It was like, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I would like to do that. That would be so fun just to be able to really learn more in depth about how to prepare beautiful food and and understand it on a different level. You know, do you know how many people I talked to who were in the tech world and woke up? Like what is going on in the tech world because I would be one of them myself. And like it's like somehow it's the place where people go to hold on to like bide time until they're ready to know what they really want to do. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And sad and a little sad. No offense to the tech world. Um so what kind of food did you uh, learn to prepare? What was there a specialty or it was French and Italian cuisine. Mm. I mean, the basis of the course was classic French cuisine, and we the, the program incorporated Italian into it. And the the training actually included, um, you know, hands on training in Denver, where the school is located. But mm-hmm. it also included training in France as well as Italy. Oh my! So it it was talk about magic Mm -hmm. it was it was it was my first time out of the country and um so it it was it was it was probably the first major step forward in my life change Mm. when was this roughly was this like in your 40s or 30s or i was 42 okay i mean it's kind of cool like i think people think they can't make that kind of change at that stage in their life and you can people do it all the time you know yeah yeah Yeah. oh how exciting oh my gosh to go there and like that must have really changed your perspective well i remember the, the 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 executive chef the lead instructor at the school in meeting with him before i decided to go he said Everything in your life is going to change after this <laughs> because you'll never look at cooking or eating the same way. Right. And and that is something that you do every single day. And boy, oh boy, he was exactly right. It's It's been the most profound change I could have ever imagined. That I mean, that, like, I can't even tell you how much I like I really want to do that now. So, so tell me, what is your best dish? What's your best dish that you make? <laughs> Probably chicken fricassee. Chicken fricassee. Chicken fricassee. Huh. Yeah, it's and it, it. When I say fricassee, it's just basically I I have a really nice pot, and mm-hmm. I depending on what the protein is, whether it's chicken or beef or pork or vegetables, mm-hmm. I, I just. I, I I start and I don't necessarily follow a, a recipe, but I just watch and I buy things in the store that look good. 
Mm. I always have onions. But if the carrots look good, I have onions. If the potatoes, or if I, if the carrots look good, I'll get carrots. If the potatoes mm-hmm. look good, I'll get potatoes. Leeks are nice, and but I'll I'll always have wine. I'll always have a stock, mm-hmm. and I just kind of start something in the pan, and what looks good kind of determines which which direction I go. Hmm, I like that. My mouth's watering, so thanks for that. That's always good on a show. Yeah, sure. <laughs> So what is uh, what was one of your favorite memories uh, from Europe when you were traveling there? Oh, well. Or, or stories, whatever you feel like sharing. Yeah, it in, well, in both France and Italy, the, um, you know, the, the tours that we got to go on, we would cook every single day. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things was in in the south of France, in a little village, um, we would start the day by going out into the field and or into the market, and we would select the best things that we could find. And then we would go back into the kitchen, and we would prepare a Provencal type of meal mm-hmm. with the ingredients that we had either selected from the market or had plucked out of the chef's garden, which was right off his kitchen. And this is a real story, right? This is a true story. This isn't just like a made-up fantasy, like in my head. No, I have, I, I have, <laughs> I have pictures to prove it. Okay. Wow, it doesn't really get much better than that, you know? No, no, no. It was, it was, and and you know, everything was matched with wine. Mm-hmm. What we you know? Why does this wine go well with this? And it was. Uh, it was, I, I could have done that every day for the rest of my life. Mm. Do you, are it you was, going to go back? Absolutely. Well, I've been back about five times. Oh, which, which, where, Italy or France or both? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> What's your favorite place in each country, in Italy and in France? Oh, in, uh, in Italy, I would say Asti. Asti. It's it's in the northern part. It's in the Piedmont region, okay. and, and the Piedmont region is right near the breadbasket of Italy, which okay. is the Emilia Romagna, and there, there's just deep heartstrings being plucked when I go there. Mm. Don't don't know why. Don't care why. I just <laughs> save, savor that they're there and mm. kind of revel in that joy. And that in thing. France. It's it's probably a, a little village called La Cadiere d'Azur, and it's well, they're both the two places that I went to first. I see, and okay. they just both deeply resonated with mm-hmm. me. So, so those would be my two. Interesting. Well, it's amazing how those the we like uh, those places know that we need to see them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's how it goes. That's how it's gone for me lately. The more I venture out and go to these places I've never really heard of, and I don't know why I must go there, but then I go and it's like, oh, it was called. It was. It knew I needed to come. That's what that was about. So that's right. That's all about listening and taking each step. Like the fact that you came out of you know a tough situation in the tech world, change, and then decided basically I'm going to go to culinary school and. You, so you were in Phoenix and you went up to Denver, though, for school, right? So that was also a big change. Big change. And, right. and 
And I made it even bigger by I, I decided that, OK, I'm just going to take a bicycle with me. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to rent a room. And that was all I did for the, the the time that I was there in training. And so I would ride my bicycle six or seven. It was about six, seven miles mm -hmm. to school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I needed to get there early because the first rotation that I was in was in the pastry kitchen. And I was specifically starting with baking bread. Mm. And the oven that we used to bake bread was a wood-fired oven. So it was this large igloo-shaped oven with this small opening uh -huh. in which that we would build a stack of – put in a stack of wood, mm -hmm. light it on fire so that when we would put our dough in hours later, it was at the right temperature. Right. So it's not like here where I just turn it on to 400. Nothing like that. <laughs> Nothing like that. Right. We would we would build a raging fire. Then after a certain point, we would spread those hot glowing coals around, heat up the base of the oven. Then an hour or so later, we'd scrape it all out. Our dough would be ready. We'd shape mm -hmm. the dough, put it in the oven. Uh, it was It was so, another world completely. So what I love about this is um, like – how freeing it sounds as you're telling the story. Like, I mean, to go from having, you know, a, a, I don't know if it was a nine to five job, but basically a Monday through Friday job at the very least. And, um, probably like a house to take care of and all of those things, cars and all those things to take care of to like, let that all go and walk away for a while and just go be a chef, a, a student at a, at a um, culinary school riding a bike. That must've felt like, a thousand pounds were lifted off of you. It, at least. And it was the closest thing I could have ever imagined to being back in college. Mm. It was, and it was exactly that. I would get home from school at the end of the day at six o'clock or so. And I'd review my notes and mm. rewrite my notes. And you know, by 730, I was done completely <laughs> for the day. And Oh, done. And it, you mean like tired or done like I'm done working for the day? Yeah, both. Okay. <laughs> Ex exhausted and and just it felt great. And and on the weekend, I would still wake up very early. I mm -hmm. I wake up about five o'clock in the morning. And but you know, okay, do my laundry, mm -hmm. get everything done that I think I I don't know. There's nothing else to do but this. And I was done Saturday morning by eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what now? You know, I didn't know anyone in town. I was on a bicycle and, right. you know, my classmates all lived, you know, for far distances away. And it was just, wow, well, what sounds fun? Right. Let's, let's go hop on the bike and just roll. Right. And it was a fascinating experience. Oh, that freedom. You know, I think that there's this belief that we can't have that lifestyle once we're done with college or whatever, you know, once you get into adulthood and start working. But why not? You know, why? Like, it's all choices, right? Like, um, we can choose to have a big house, the big house payment, and a lot of stuff in it, or we can choose to, like, have barely anything and live very lightly so that we can get up on a Saturday morning and by eight o'clock go, what now? What feels good? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think we can choose to not believe anything we want. <laughs> right, right. And we can tell ourselves very definitively, I, I can't do that. Right. I was and, very good at that. 
I it's still true. Sometimes. It's well, it's completely true. And and once you get to once once I got to the point where I reconciled that and and kind of understood that you know what the only reason I'm not doing something that I want to do is because I believe I can't. Mm-hmm. And you know if you believe something, <laughs> it's funny how it happens. Do you find that the people in your life, the ones that are still around or were around all this time, um, that your changes have had some effect on them in a positive way? Yes. Yeah, because I, I mean, literally when I made the change years ago, I, I kind of left the tribe. I walked, I walked away Mm -hmm. and what most people would notice as, well, you know, you need to do this and well, you have to do this and you need to do this. And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily agree with all that. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a fascinating thing, not only for them to observe, but me. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know, I, I don't think I'm articulating it well, because it isn't something I necessarily have figured out in my own internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know what, if I think if I work real hard to, to believe that I need to write that out and understand it, Mm -hmm. I think I'm just getting in my way. I think I'm just slowing down the momentum of where I want to go and what is happening. And you know, don't do it. I think what's, what's amazing though, is that, um, the people who inspire me the most in my life, are oftentimes the people who are doing the things that I'm not sure yet that I can do or that I dream of doing, but haven't figured out how they are things I can do. You know what I mean? And so when someone um, in my life, like you, does this thing, like if you were part of my tribe and you did this thing, it would inspire me to look where I was like um, living small. You know, where am I not showing up to what really lights me up? Because when you light up, Everybody else you, everybody else around you does, you know, it's such a, it's got such a ripple effect and people forget about that, you know, just as being stuck in fear of change has the same, has a, has a similar effect, but the exact opposite of then everybody else feels they're stuck, you know? So it's, it's cool that to sometimes ponder, um, how that has affected the people around us, even though it seemed, even though they might think we're a little crazy at the beginning. Well, it, it, it comes down to trust mm-hmm. and, and either, either you trust or you don't. Mm-hmm. And another key thing for me was that just like always having the notion that I needed to create something that I thought someone else would like mm-hmm. that kind of boiled down to, well, what someone else is thinking is completely, absolutely none of my business. Right. No more than I want somebody else trying to figure out the way I'm thinking. Right. And once I, once I really started living that of mind my own business. Right. And and mind my own business is how I feel, and mm-hmm. how I feel is directly tied to what I'm thinking. And you know what? I I have these moment to moment, day to day, week to week epiphanies of wait a minute. I've been feeling nervous here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily to go back and reconcile what it is that I've been pondering and thinking about that has me sideways in a knot, but to leave it and move on to something that lights me on fire. And that's usually when I'll grab my camera, walk mm-hmm. outside and just let the magic start to flow. 
You're right, because there really are like, you know, there's a lot of different ways to move through something that we're ruminating on for for one of the terms. And, you know, one of the one of the best ways, I think, is to change our thoughts and get like on something that's because I think once we elevate our energy, we like so going out to take photographs for you or for me, if it's going for a bike ride or whatever it is that raises my overall spirit, then if I want to go back and think about that thing that I'm ruminating about, I'm bringing a whole different level of thought to it. And I'm going to solve yeah. it in a better way. So, um, wow, we're, I, I don't want to run out of time to ask my favorite question, which is um, what's something new that you're curious about that you haven't really delved into before in your life, like something that's a little off your normal path? Is there anything kind of tapping you on the shoulder right now? That is a fabulous question. <laughs> and it's, um, you know, I think it's just keeping going in the direction that I'm going, which which is, you know, my I'm not here. You know, if the sole purpose of my being here in this body is to provide for this body, to feed it, to shelter it, then uh, I, I don't believe that's true. Mm. I don't believe that's true. And so it's just continuing something that I've already started. And I'm always finding ways to become freer, mm -hmm. if that's a good way to put it. Well, tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm positive that the best the best of my life is in ahead of me. Oh. I'm positive that the best photographs I will ever create, I have not created. And I am, I am excited and enthusiastic and completely unstoppable and moving in that direction. I love that you said that because, well, for one thing, I feel the same way, but probably for different things. I, well, even, even in my photography, the best photos are probably coming, but I think that I love that, um, that that's the message you're sending in this uh, conversation as well as in your life, which is there's this weird thing that um, we as humans, and I don't know if it's just um, uh, by certain areas or by whatever it is, but if it's certain countries or whatever, if it's, it's all worldwide, but there's this weird thing that like we have to have this uh, bell-shaped curve to our life, to our energy and our life and to what we do that, you know, you, you kind of peak and then you start like, you know, throttling it back down. And I want to be like a rocket. I want to yeah. just keep going straight up as fast as I can. And and just like that the, the last day is phenomenal, like as exciting as the first day. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, there's something good every day that I don't know about. Because when you think about it. Think about everything that you know right now, okay? Like if you looked in your brain, could see in your brain like the catalog of all the things you know right now today. It's like a quarter of a percent of what exists to know in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And I and that's even if you're really, really intelligent. <laughs> right. Think about all the things that we don't know that we could learn. Like if like that's the thing I think that was the biggest change for me was going. I am still a voracious learner. I still every day want to be surprised and awed and and delighted by something that I didn't know yesterday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What yeah. do you say when someone says something like that? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I, I know for a fact that I'm here for the joy of this experience. Mm, and I and that. I 
I know for a fact that there's nothing I cannot do. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's the, it's the constant realization that that is true. And that the only reason I, there's something I can, cannot do is because I've told myself I can't. And like I said, I'm the only break mm-hmm. in my life. And once I consciously and remind myself on a, on a daily basis that that is so, then I make changes in that direction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an amusement park. <laughs> it is an amusement park, and I am totally here to have fun. So are you one of the like um, merry-go-round guys or the like high-end, like super crazy roller coaster guys? um i can't i can't quite do the roller coasters like i used to i I have i have little kids that that are just neighbors kids and they have all adopted me and and when we're out playing in the park they like me to they like for me to pick them up and Uh spin them around and Boy, I can't do that more than once or <laughs> twice before I really start feeling it. So I remember when I was a girl, I would spin and spin and spin and spin. It was like one of my favorite things to do. And uh, the old Tilt-A-Whirl took me out a couple of years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to do that anymore. Spinning is not good. <laughs> I, one, of the, one of the greatest benefits of age is wisdom. And I <laughs> lean heavily on that. Nope, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, Thank right? you. I mean, not that I can't, but I choose not to, right? Choose not to, exactly. That's it. So this has been really fun. I mean, I I would love to um, see what comes up next for you. I bet in a year it's going to be a whole new level of stories that we haven't even touched on of things that you're playing with. Um, Positive of that. What are you, like, what are, just one last question, because I know you relocated recently. Like, what is really lighting you up to take photographs of right now? Aside from food and water, oh, light—the mm-hmm. light where the light where I'm at, the—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a pretty rural area, and mm-hmm. so there are trees, and the, the the leaves on the trees get illuminated by the afternoon sun, and mm-hmm. there are just there's bugs flying through the air. There's this. It's a never-ending thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 well, I was going to say I open my eyes and it starts, but that's not even true because I dream about these things. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Have you always done that? Yes, oh. I always have. I've, I've, I have, I am always composing a picture. <laughs> I, I, I can't see a, I can't see a bee fly by without picturing that shot. Really? Or an ant crawl by or the huh. leaves shaking on the tree. Yeah. That's so Always. cool. That's so cool. Yeah. It's never off. It's almost like another sense, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it might be. Like a morphed, a morphed sense because it's really visual, but it's it's different because you're taking it into another realm, really, you know, of freezing it. Yeah. So, hmm, yeah. interesting. Were yeah, you like that beautiful. as a kid? Was that like something you did when you were re- like young? I must have. I must <laughs> have because this isn't something I came to. Okay. And I think this is something I've always done. Hmm. Interesting. It's fun though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I look forward to seeing some more of these pictures with light as you um, play out in the 
out in the rural area of, of Utah. And it's been so fun talking with you. This was great. Thank you so much, Jane. I've had fun as well. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank bye. you. Yep, bye. All right, bye. I told you, he's a pretty happy guy. And you can imagine why, knowing that he loved photography and finding his way back to it again, and then spending his time in the studio playing. You know, every time I've talked to him since this conversation, it's just like that. Every so often an email to say, hey, look at this cool thing I just discovered when I was walking in the woods, or look at this that I found when I was on a trip. And he takes it with him wherever he goes and lights up the people around him. So that's just one more glistening particle. Thanks for listening, everyone.